0: The following program contains comic mischief commonly found in PG-rated, family-friendly films. It does not necessarily represent the values of this station. The following episode of Magi and the Quest for Christmas contains traffic sounds such as honking horns and sirens. These may disorient listeners who are driving, so please be mindful of your surroundings and enjoy. You're listening to Magi and the Quest for Christmas, the adventure comedy movie for your ears, created by Secret Level Entertainment and presented to you for your holiday season by this radio station. Hear it again or hear what you missed at magipodcast.com. That's M-A-G-I Podcast.com. Previously on the show, John, an angel of time was assigned scheduled maintenance in ancient Israel where the three magi are preparing to return home after a long voyage. Chapter 2. The Satchel
1: After nightfall, as the Magi prepare to leave the market on foot, we find Mel studying the night sky through a device
2: that looks like a cross between a compass and a monocle. No rain at least, it will make good time. There is something in the stars for you back home, with the other students. After all, I am quite the teacher. Baz
1: throws her satchel down in frustration.
3: Oh, I can't wait to find out what you're going to teach
2: me. Do not be so impetuous. We provide valuable service to the king. Our entire way of life is built on the wisdom we discover in the cosmos. You may be a mere apprentice now, but study hard and you will become a magi master like me. Teach at college full tenure, living quarters, generous research stipends. Someday, you may even become an elder like uh, Casper here. (laughs) Play your cards right, Baz. You could be
3: magi your entire life! Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of.
1: Casper gestures discreetly to Baz. Something along the lines of, For the love of the stars, get out while you can.
3: (laughs) Be like Wing's messenger service.
2: New orders from the king. No, this is a mistake. We are returning home. It is a long voyage. We leave tonight. Hey, don't shoot the
3: messenger, wise guy. Hey, that's wise man.
2: I told them I am to return home to begin work on my new book.
3: Ah, your new book. How to Waste Your Life Staring at the Stars.
2: (laughs) Very funny.
3: Okay, fine. I'm sorry. What's it say? This is all wrong. What? What is it? Okay. King
2: Herod is... (sighs) He wants us to follow the star we told him about, find the baby messiah, and report back, so that he can go pay his respects. Uh This changes every one of my plans! Jobs of this nature? That's not what we're for. We've been out here for years. My joints are quite sore. Well, if we've got to go, let's go quickly. Baz, get your satchel. It's time to leave.
3: No. I can't do this anymore. I have to quit.
2: You spent your whole day talking about how important it was to tell Herod about the prophecy. And now he wants to do something about it. And you're just going to quit?
3: It's not like we can just blatantly disobey the king. Watch me. I don't care what that parchment says.
2: This is your
3: future. That's right, it's my future. Uh,
2: no, <laughs> not just yours. That's Sneaky
1: John. The three magi are startled to hear the angel in the white jumpsuit. He's obscured in the shadows, holding his stupid satchel. If he had just returned that silly satchel, then none of
2: this- I mean, if you're asking me, I, I think you should go.
1: Patrick, the king's aide, leans on the castle balcony, watching the magi through a spyglass. He can't see John because John's in the shadows, and again, he tends to be creepy like that. What are they doing now? They're, like,
3: standing around. I don't know. So let me get this straight. They come back, tell you where the baby messiah is, and you go kill the baby? It's a brilliant plan. It's certainly dark. You're just lame. Dark is cool. Get with it, man. But what if they figure it out? Come on. They're not called wise men for nothing. Say these guys get to talking. New messiah on the scene, gonna overthrow King Herod, take over the throne. Sounds a little insurrection-y, right? Kind of stressful. Kind of stressful? No, it it sounds really
1: stressful. I don't want that at all. What's wrong with you? I do know a guy.
0: Magi and the Quest for Christmas will return after these messages.
3: Hey guys, this is Julia from the band Lightheart. If you're looking for new Christmas music to enjoy with friends and family this year, you can find our all-original, full-length Christmas album at lightheartmusic.com. That's L-I-G-H-T-H-A-R-T music.com. Or on any streaming service such as Spotify or Apple Music. Thanks and have a Merry Christmas.
0: You're listening to Magi and the Quest for Christmas the adventure comedy movie for your ears. Hear it again or hear what you missed at magipodcast.com. Look, I'm on a tight schedule, so if you
2: guys are good to finish this mission, I'm gonna go. John looks particularly impatient. He's clearly
1: anxious to hurry through the scheduled maintenance, aka his actual job, so that he can get on with that that silly special op of his. He sets his satchel down on the ground, not realizing that it's identical to Baz's satchel and that they're both sitting side by
2: side. We are not called wise men for nothing. You're hiding something. What is it? Oh, okay, I, I I'm not supposed to tell you this, but that Herod guy—he he's not just crazy. He he's the certifiably insane kind of crazy. He's gonna try to kill the kid. Okay.
1: Vass stiffens when she hears this. You can almost see her heroic instincts taking over. The, the
2: kid's gonna be called Jesus Christ. Bit of a big deal. Fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy. And it's your cosmic destiny to protect- How do we find him? Just follow your precious star, right to his precious manger. Easy.
3: What are we waiting for? Let's go. We
2: are not going anywhere. Oh, I can't scheduled maintenance ever just be easy. Herod
1: follows Patrick around the armory as Patrick rifles through swords, daggers, knives, bows, and arrows. Hold on,
2: you're just my wimpy shrimpy little clerk. you never killed anyone in your life. What are you
1: even looking for? The perfect weapon.
3: I think it's just,
1: ah, here it is. This, this is a person. A very ugly person, all right? What's he even doing here? Oh, it's dangerous to think of him as a person.
3: He's a weapon. Watch this, jumper, (laughs) stand.
1: Standing to his feet before them, they behold the colossal, magnificent, grotesquely gigantic nine-foot-tall barbarian named Chomper. Whoa! Chomper lifts a giant axe from the wall and gives it a twirl. What's the special move? What are you talking about?
2: You know, like a really cool thing he does! You know what I mean, like a... You know what I mean!
1: Oh, yeah, he eats toes. What?
3: Oh my gosh,
1: that's so gross. Like toes? Like toes? He eats toes. That's his thing. Gross. He's really good though. Comes highly recommended. I can't have people eating nobody's toes! That's his thing. Not my toes. Get out of here, weirdo!
2: Okay, sorry, but no. Yeah, get back. Get back. Hang on. You're saying Herod wants to kill the baby? Yes. I couldn't be more clear about this. You are proposing that we not only accept this ridiculous mission, but we then go rogue on said ridiculous mission, thus betraying the most powerful king on Earth, and all because this random guy tells us to. I I have read nothing about you and the stars. Ever think maybe the stars aren't everything, pal? (laughs) You're embarrassing yourself. (laughs) Leave this to the experts.
3: Mel, we can't just stand by. Okay,
2: tell me, if this messiah is so holy, why does he need protection at all? (sighs) That's not really the point. What about you? Why don't you protect him? (laughs) Oh, I wish I could actually instigate change. What does Michael say? When it comes to altering history, thou shalt not apply more than a little nudge. Not as fun as it could be, but somebody's got to do angel work, huh? Ah, he's an angel. Perfect. <laughs> but those rules don't apply to you. Don't you get it? I know it might seem like the future's sad and nothing you do matters, but your actions can actually change things. No, the future is set, and we mustn't challenge destiny. We will complete this mission as outlined in the brief, nothing more, nothing less, and then return home to live
3: our simple lives in peace. But what kind of life is that? Ugh, what now? In the five years we spent staring at everything from the Eastern skies to the West, we've never been able to find a single glimpse of meaning in any that of it. That is not a
2: fair assessment Your of- fan
3: club doesn't count. I'm talking about something real. When that prophesied star finally appeared in the sky, I thought, this is it. Imagine, instead of starving out there in the desert, trying to predict the future, we could actually change it.
1: Casper smiles warmly at Baz, but Mel is deeply offended.
3: If this guy is right, if Herod is really evil, then that child, the Messiah, he needs us. For all the expeditions we've done, that meant nothing. I'll go alone if
1: I have to. She nabs one of the satchels and storms off. The satchel that... Sorry, sorry, I'm I'm staying on track. John eyes Mel and Casper until, without words, the two remaining
2: magi trudge on
1: after Baz.
2: They're leaving, going to find the baby, John's a great angel of history, and... That's how you do that.
1: So John's feeling pretty good about himself. Good for you, buddy. He unclips a time orb from his belt and leaves with the, the remaining satchel. You're
3: listening to Ohio's Christmas Music Superstation. Nothing but Christmas music 24-7.
1: Katie drives, nursing a coffee, sore from hours in the car. David's asleep in the passenger seat. The back benches packed with suitcases, small furniture, an acoustic guitar, a few boxes and a widescreen TV. The two of them are moving.
3: This next song is one of my favourites, all about that precious baby Jesus born in a manger 2000 years ago. If you're looking for a little bit of hope tonight, you might find it here.
1: Katie twists the volume up slightly, careful not to wake her son.
3: No, 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 She feels Ugh. at
1: the air vent and then starts fussing with the old car's heat controls.
3: Why, uh, not now?
1: She feels at the vents again and then, then checks on her sleeping son. He draws his limbs in towards his body. The heat is broken.
3: God, I could, I could really use some help here.
1: Katie reaches back and pulls a blanket forward. She sets it over her son, who clutches it unconsciously.
0: Magi and the Quest for Christmas will return after these messages. Hey guys, this is Lee Harden, stand-up comedian
1: just released a special with Drybar Comedy, and it is free to watch, 100% free to watch. Download the Drybar Comedy app in the App Store, Google Play Store,
0: search for Lee Harden. You can watch the entire thing for free. Once again, Drybar Comedy, search for Lee Harden. You can also find me at leehardencomedy.com.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: Welcome back to Magi and the Quest for Christmas the adventure comedy movie for your ears. Hear it again or hear what you missed at magipodcast.com. I understand that starting a sentence
1: with, meanwhile, 2018 years prior, comes off as just a tad oxymoronic. Michael, you might say to me, Michael, can you set up this next scene in a way that's less confusing to a creature still trapped within the confines of linear time? No, I would answer, no, I can't. And, And so... Meanwhile, two thousand and eighteen years prior, stars shine brightly over a vast blue desert that stretches on for miles.
3: Must keep walking by sheer will and force. Remind me next time to bring along a horse.
2: (sighs) Buzz, you've got to slow down. Herod isn't going to find out where the baby is before we do. Do you not remember the sinkholes in the Jordan? Or the bandits that ambushed us in Egypt? It's not safe to rush.
3: You call this rushing? I thought you were eager to get back to your precious tenure.
2: I am, but... Oh, oh, you see?
3: Earthquakes now? Don't blame the earth and make a fuss. I think there's something following us.
1: A violent tremor in the ground causes the three magi to almost fall over. Without a thought, they face their backs to each other so that they're united and looking outwards.
2: Giant scorpion or mutant centipede. Either way, it wants to feed. Alright, stay focused. Just like we did at Graveyard Mountain.
3: Um, didn't Casper get eaten at Graveyard Mountain?
2: He was uh, spat back out at the end. Move! The three magi leap out from their formation as a hill of
1: sand explodes apart. From the dust cloud emerges Chomper, the monstrous bearded barbarian who towers over them all. Skulls and bones hang from a rope around his neck. He swings his axes, thrashing in a flurry of steel, which could only mean one thing, and one thing alone. It's time for Action Voice. Okay... This is new. Baz gets in the giant's face, bouncing around like a boxer, while Casper and Mel spread out to the sides. Casper produces a coil of rope from his sack.
3: Casper, now!
1: A well-oiled machine, the three magi work together to thread the rope through Chopper's legs. Dodging the barbarian's swinging axe as Baz clambers up onto his shoulders. How she finds this boring is beyond me. Hey. Mel and Casper both throw their ropes to Bass. She springs off of Chomper's <laughs> shoulder, snatching the ropes from the air. Landing lightly, she gives the rope a tug, sending the giant off his
2: legs and onto his back. <laughs> Woo! Yes, yes, everybody saw it. Don't bother asking.
3: Casper, was that a cleaner landing?
2: Not since the bull
1: beetle we fought out east. Have I seen you be such an unmitigated
3: beast? Yes. That's awesome. I've been working on it. I shouldn't
2: have to remind you that the Magi Order is a dignified calling. We hunt only when necessary.
3: That was necessary. Sort of.
2: And now he's gotten free.
1: The Magi book it across the desert as Chomper gives chase. He's no longer wielding his axes, so that's nice, but I would imagine that you don't wind up with a nickname like Chomper if collecting the toes of your enemies requires the use of props. The Magi dive behind a wide tree, which Chomper rips out of the ground and tosses aside. You know, barbarian stuff. The brute lunges towards the Magi, but Baz uses the satchel to deflect the attack. Unseen by the Magi, a time orb rolls out to their feet. Hmm, where'd that time orb come from, I wonder? Could it be a a a careless angel got sloppy? Some things we'll never know, folks. You guys okay? Fists up. Baz shifts lightly, eyes locked with the barbarian. She's dwarfed by the bearded beast, but totally unfazed. At her feet, the orb rolls around in the sand. Unknowingly, she steps on it, twisting it, just like John was twisting it earlier. The orb starts glowing, and a button juts out of the side as Chomper rears up for another attack.
3: Here we go!
1: And that's when she stepped on the orb. There's nothing like the grown-up snow day.
3: There's no getting out of your driveway. Your boss calls you up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to
2: steak. The roads are closed, you better That was quick. Yep, uh, just returning this orb. Real quick, here you go.
3: That's got to be some kind of record, Johnny. Oh, you know,
2: just uh, just scheduled maintenance for Michael. Uh, uh, you, you mind telling him I'm hopping over to my special op now? John reaches into the satchel. Ooh
3: tell me your op got approved. That never happens.
1: John keeps fishing around in the satchel, trying every pocket.
2: Yep. Maybe this place can finally start doing some good instead of the... What the? You alright? It was right here! He empties the satchel onto her desk.
3: Oh, let's see. We've got gold coins, a flask of myrrh, and... Oh, how lovely. Frankincense. John, you shouldn't have.
1: This isn't right. No, it isn't right, is it, John? Now he's searching the empty satchel for secret pockets. Finally, he sets the bag down on her desk and takes a beat to repress all his panic deep, deep down. (sighs) Don't tell Michael. John sprints towards the door. The sun shines brightly on a vast snow-covered field peppered with evergreen trees and power lines. There's a massive billboard that reads, The Star of Bethlehem, Christmas 2018. Baz's head pops up from a tall snowbank. She's confused at first, then suddenly tenses and springs to her feet.
3: Get back! I'll, uh...
1: Studying her surroundings, she realizes that she recognizes nothing.
3: Wait, guys,
2: where'd it go? Whoa. What happened? What is this stuff?
1: Emerging from the snow, Mel stumbles over to Baz. They're understandably confused. Inside a breathing snowbank, the two magi discover Casper and pull the bearded wonder to his feet.
3: Why is it so cold? As heaven intersects our earthly plane... Don't be surprised if things get a little
2: insane. He's right. The prophecy tells of a heavenly kingdom, fathomless beings and infinite forces beyond our temporal reality merging to inhabit our lowly and human existence. As we follow the star to this prophesied messiah, we would need to prepare ourselves for all manner of mystical displacement and cosmic interference. Day, where once was night, desert could, in theory, turn into whatever this white stuff is. One would find himself, or herself, Thank you. on the very fringe of actuality. A world where... Anything is... I'm sure that there is a perfectly sound, uh, scientific explanation for all of this. Taking the lead, Baz marches through the snow with tall,
1: committed steps.
3: Finally, a real mission. That's,
1: that's not what I said.
3: You think we won't be rewarded by the cosmos or whatever you call it?
1: She's headed out of the snowy clearing. Casper and Mel follow Mel quite reluctantly. The torn satchel lays abandoned in the snow as the magi march onward. There beside the bag, the orb sinks slowly into the snow until it disappears from sight, its glow completely obscured.
3: If the messiah is real, the universe will hook us up for saving him, right? Fame, fortune, all that good stuff.
2: Yes, it's possible. But can we please just discuss this before you do something stupid
3: for once? Mel, you'll probably receive a promotion. Me? You know that I love this commotion. And Baz... At last, you'll fulfill your call, a hero, the bravest of us all."
1: The Magi gaze up at the sky but continue walking forward. It's a beautiful sunny day, so as one might expect, there are no stars to be found. Where'd it go? It is here that the three Magi are first introduced to the beastly splendor of the sport utility vehicle they've wandered into the middle of a four-lane interstate and must quickly leap out of the way so as to not become part of said interstate
3: there's people in those things.
1: hiding behind a guardrail peeping john watches in horror as the panicked magi dart back and forth on the freeway like squirrels in the street sprayed by sloppy slush amidst a clamor of honking horns oh this is bad
2: it was supposed to be scheduled maintenance
1: He covers his eyes and then watches through his fingers. Wide-eyed and out of breath, Baz and Mel make it to the shoulder.
3: Casper! Hey, wise guy, you're right in the middle of the road!
1: A passing driver throws a milkshake at Casper, who's petrified in the middle of the freeway. Casper, poor old Casper, spins around to find a behemoth plowing towards him. A brand new, recently waxed, mother of all vehicles, 80,000 pounds over 18 wheels, chrome plated Freightliner. Deer in the headlights, I guess you could call him a seer in the headlights. Do you like that? You can use it if you want.
0: Thank you for listening to Magi and the Quest for Christmas, created by Secret Level Entertainment and presented to you for your holiday season by this radio station. Stay tuned for episode three where the Magi begin to explore the snowy landscape of the future, and we catch up with a young mother and son struggling through a winter road trip with no heat. Magi and the Quest for Christmas was written and directed by Francois Goudreau, with Andrew Collins and John Austin contributing to the radio play, and additional story by Julia Appleton and Jay Nielsen. Original score composed by Michael Patterson, and original songs provided by the band Lightheart. The production featured the voice talent of three time Emmy Award winner Cam Cornelius, Khadija Tula, John Barker, Jacob Goudreau, Julia Appleton, Jason John Stewart as the narrator, and me, Mike Lane. To hear Magi and the Quest for Christmas again, or to hear what you missed, head to MagiPodcast.com. That's Magi, M A G I, podcast.com, where you can also see a full list of cast and crew. Or you can also find the show on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening. Your life is far from meaningless.